skin is a living part of your body and your largest organ. And as skincare experts for over 30 years, Dermalogica's number one focus is on empowering people to achieve their healthiest skin ever. Education is at the heart of everything we do. So our podcast brings advice from top skin health experts directly to you. Join us as we discuss research and skin technologies to help you get real results. Welcome to your skincare journey with Dermalogica. It's time to start living in your healthiest skin. So welcome to Living Skin. It's great to have you joining us today as we are diving into a really interesting and I think a really hot topic, which is all about acne and aging skin. Now we know adults all over the world are living with more and more chronic stress. And we also know that this level of stress can also induce breakouts and also aging. So we start to see not only breakouts, but even more discoloration on the skin, hyperpigmentation, and the list kind of goes on. So I thought it would be perfect for us to bring back to the podcast today our International Education Manager for Trade in the UK, Angela Taylor. So welcome back to the podcast, Angela. Hi, Beth. It's very exciting to be back. Thank you for having me. Of course. We're so excited to have you back. So for those of you that maybe missed Angela's last podcast, she was with us talking all about the business of self-care and massage. And let me tell you, that was a great discussion because not only is Angela Annette, the education manager for Trade in the UK, but she's also a skin therapist. She's an educator. She has extensive years and experience in the industry. And we can't wait to hear all of the good information, some of the science and information that we're going to discuss today, circling around acne, but more in particular, acne and an aging skin. So Angela, I know that this is a very personal topic for you. Can you share with us your experience with breakouts and what you're noticing as your skin is changing or as you're also uh, getting older and, and noticing some things happening on your skin? Yes, absolutely, Beth. Um, It's obviously wonderful to have an opportunity to chat with you again. And as you said, this is quite a personal topic for me because when I was a teenager, I was one of those teenagers that started to suffer with acne breakouts, um, obviously found it quite distressing. It's a difficult time of your life, isn't it, to start seeing so many changes in your skin. Um, And I was at that time in my life put onto a type of contraceptive pill to help control it. And and that did help to a degree. Um, And then what I found was through my teenage years, really a little bit of fluctuation. Sometimes it would be good. Sometimes it would be bad. Um, And kind of as I got into this industry, started to learn a little bit more about how acne develops, why it develops, and got a little bit more confident about how to actually help manage it in my skin. And then in adulthood, generally, I would say my skin's been pretty good. Um, I've obviously had a very good skincare routine, as you would expect, being in the industry. Um, However, as I've now hit my 40s and I am going through what you would consider the perimenopause, which is the sort of eight to 10 years leading up to that menopause stage in your life, my skin really has gone as if it's back in puberty mode again. So I'm getting a lot of breakouts, particularly inflamed breakouts around my lower sort of chin area, corner of the mouth, jawline, um, even down onto my neck. And 
what has been so interesting for me and actually quite frustrating um even though i understand skin personally i find it quite distressing you know to be in my 40s still suffering with breakouts is the potential pigmentation i'm left behind with and the other complexities that come with it because i'm also concerned about aging and dehydration and as i said brightness um so for me, I find this topic very personal, but also I feel that there's a lot we can do if we understand the skin um, to help other people that are in that situation where it's incredibly frustrating to feel like you're suffering with breakouts in, and you're in your 40s when really you feel like you should have grown out of that technically um, when you're looking at your skin. Right, exactly. I mean, I think a lot of us have the same type of concerns and issues that you're talking about is that as you're getting into, you know, your forties, I'm right there with yep. you, is that <laughs> you, you look at your skin. And I think one of the first questions that sometimes adults have is, okay, why am I breaking out? Right. It's like mm -hmm. I'm 16 again. And I think you made a really great point about that peri perimenopause stage mm -hmm. and that how that actually contributes right to uh, hormonal changes and a lot of the breakouts you see. And it was interesting how you're talking about where it's really kind of showing up on your face, like along that lower jawline, which is, yeah. which is very different than let's say teenage acne. Cause we know that, right. The acne is not for teenagers anymore at all. It really can affect mm -hmm. anyone. So I'd love mm -hmm. to take our next question and kind of clear up the difference between adult breakout versus teen breakouts. Yeah, I think it's really interesting, like you said, Beth, because there are some very distinct differences between the two. Um, and actually, therefore, how we treat them is very different as well. But if we first of all look at like teenage acne, for example, or breakouts, um, it tends to actually equally affect both boys and girls um, because for both of them, really, their hormones are going through such a um, surge and, you know, stimulation that equally across the board, you tend to find both sexes are suffering with potential breakout problems. Whereas actually when we look at adult acne, women in particular are five times more likely to suffer with adult breakouts. Now that's quite interesting because when we look at the causes or the triggers behind it, it's usually down to the fact that hormones, as we've just been discussing there, perimenopause being one, but the menstrual cycle obviously is another potential contributing factor and other conditions like polycystic ovary, to name a few, which women obviously tend to suffer with um, as to why perhaps we're seeing adult women much more likely. Um, and also the stress levels tend to be the other trigger when we look at the two sort of main contributing factors for adult acne, stress and hormones tend to be the two leading ones. Um, and particularly when we look at the female generation, they do tend to have a higher level of stress, usually because of having to deal with a multiple um, amount of uh, factors, whether that's lifestyle, you know, work, children, etc. Um, whereas, you know, in teenagers, it's pretty straightforward because it is normally very much the hormones that are stimulating puberty that are causing the acne. Um, for adults, it's a much more complex issue because it could be stress, it could be hormones, it could be a multitude of factors, you know, some being the environment, some being their diet, 
but I think what's really interesting is how it displays itself. So as you said, Beth, when you look at a teenager, typically it can actually impact the whole face, but it tends to be very much around the T-zone, the forehead, the nose, the chin, um, and, and it can go onto the cheeks and jaw, but they tend to have potentially more oil as well and shine might be a concern on their skin um, they may also have a lot more sort of underneath the surface congestion and what we call comedones or blackheads as well as potentially inflamed breakouts whereas when we look at an adult suffering with acne then they will have as I was saying earlier a lot more concern so they will have the breakouts which tend to be more inflamed but they'll also have um, sensitivity they might have dehydration they might have aging concerns like fine lines they might have pigmentation so it can be a lot more difficult and tricky to treat someone who's suffering with adult acne versus someone who's suffering with teenage acne because the focus is usually much more specific to, to control the oil and shine and the breakout activity whereas with adults we're having to deal with so many different complexities um, and then also with adult acne it can fall into two categories it can either be what we call persistent when somebody has been experiencing it since perhaps teenage years and has then had a relapse in adulthood and started to get the breakouts again um, or it can be late onset which is when somebody is usually over 25 years old and then starts to get breakout conditions without necessarily having had them before um, so it, it can be very frustrating for someone with adult acne to know really how to deal with it. Yeah, I mean, I think you really, really hit a great point there that it is so complex, especially for mm. adult acne or adult, even just, you know, general, even just the occasional breakouts. If someone, yeah. if you're not used to having them, suddenly they start coming on and you're thinking like, what's going on? It's not really just one thing. I mean, you've talked mm. a lot about the causes that you mentioned there, the stress lifestyle, and we'll get in, into that in, in just a moment. And it's also, I think, another difference between adult versus teen is that the healing time, I think, for Absolutely. breakouts in adults is also a lot slower. So we start to see the breakouts linger longer, maybe the products that they're using or the ingredients that they're picking from are not going to be, you know, working so much, um, mm. or they're just, or the, how they used to treat <laughs> their breakouts, yeah. um, in their twenties is definitely not the same as they should be treating their breakouts in their, maybe their forties and fifties, if it's still happening, mm. um, from there. Yeah, it can be incredibly frustrating when you get a breakout, mm -hmm. like you said, Beth, because now I notice even for me, they can linger so much longer right? than yes. they did when I was younger. Um, and that, like you said, brings with that other complexities like pigmentation and scarring um, issues. So because we're aging, everything slows down. So when you're a teenager, it's very quick to recover mm -hmm. potentially from a breakout activity. Whereas as we're aging, everything's slowing down. So those breakouts take twice as long to heal. Everything takes twice as long to renew itself. So we're mm -hmm. battling quite a few different issues for sure when we're yeah. dealing with adult breakouts. And it's hard to be patient during this time, even though, yeah. you know, you need to be, and, you know, we always tell our clients, don't pick because yeah. Mary's going to leave this, <laughs> those marks. Um, please don't use toothpaste as a spot yeah. treatment. That's definitely, that is not a good choice. No. At, we, you know, we've had another podcast um, actually last year where we talked about some of the 
causes of adult acne. And we also talked mm -hmm. about it from a physiological standpoint. Mm -hmm. So we know that there's definitely some core factors that kind of contribute to mm -hmm. breakouts like overactive sebaceous glands. We know that the cell accumulation um, can tend to build up the presence mm -hmm. of bacteria like our P acnes or propionibacterium acnes that are yeah. there living um, on our skin and of course within the follicle. And then you had mentioned too, a lot of time with um, acne, we see in conjunction with that inflammation. Mm -hmm. What I'd like to do is spend a bit more time on what we're seeing with the International Dermal Institute is known more as kind of this inflammaging. You know, yeah. it's a little bit different than just a normal sensitivity. Um, so let's talk about that for just a moment. Yeah, absolutely. Because I think, as you said, when you look across the board at how a breakout develops, there are those key contributing factors. But actually, when you're aging, they behave slightly differently. Mm -hmm. So one of the things, as you said, is the bacteria that we all kind of have that lays pretty dormant and and doesn't really have an impact becomes much more highly active when we have got breakout activity. They cause a lot of internal damage, like free radical damage, that leads to inflammation or basically inflammation, should I say, inside the skin. Mm -hmm. And it's this, it's this inflammation and sort of immune response that's a natural response our skin's having to the invaders, to the bacteria, to the, the swelling um, and irritation that can lead to, unfortunately, because if we think about where the follicle lies, it lies and sort of is in, embedded in the dermis of the skin. Mm -hmm. And the, derm the dermis of the skin is obviously abundant with fibers like collagen and elastin and hyaluronic acid, which are essential for the structure and integrity of our skin, but also the plumpness of our skin. So if we get a lot of inflamed follicles that are sort of ready to burst, or in some cases do burst because they become so irritated, mm -hmm. that that dermis becomes um, infected really and the immune system has to then kick in to control that damage. And unfortunately, one of the ways it controls the damage is by having to create a little bit of a pathway or breaking down of the structures like collagen and elastin for those white blood cells to come and mop up the damage that's been done. And this will lead to potentially maybe scarring, but also can lead to pigmentation because the inflammation response often triggers a pigmentation response at the same time because they are very much in tune with each other. So when we stimulate the immune response, inevitably we stimulate the melanocyte cells to produce pigment because it's a type of protective mechanism. Mm -hmm. So unfortunately, one of the side effects to having an inflamed breakout, which is much more obvious as you age, because as we said, the cells slow down in terms of their turnover and renewal process, we see that pigmentation spots um, occurring. But also, the more the skin becomes inflamed, the more potential we are going to cause damage to those structures that will lead yeah. to premature aging or, you know, loss of tone and elasticity in the skin. Um, so kind of just linking back really to the other ones as well, because I think with aging, they do all contribute to each other. Right. The, the cells, like you said, the, the accumulation that we have naturally when we're suffering with breakouts, gets worse as we get older because our cell turnover slows down. So we're producing, if you've got more of a genetic acne condition, potentially four to five times more skin cells. Right. Now you can't shed them at a normal rate, but if you then 
add to that the aging rate of skin cells, you're going to have a lot more problems with cell accumulation, buildup, dullness, devitalized looking skin. And then also if we look at the sebaceous gland, which is attached to that follicle and produces our oil or sebum as we call it, um, those sebaceous glands are very, very sensitive to hormones. They have mm -hmm. lots of receptors on them. So when we have hyperactive hormones, like when we're going through stages like the menstrual cycle or going through perimenopause or stress, because stress is also a hormonal response, those sebaceous glands are very readily stimulated. So that's another reason why with adult we see such a problem with um, these inflamed lesions because we're creating the perfect environment for the bacteria to breed. Right. Um, but unfortunately, it's going to mean a lot more sensitivity, but also aging um, concerns on the surface of the skin. Right. I mean, I think that's, and I think it's interesting that we're able to just, and thank you so much, Angela, for touching on that is that, you know, all of these things are happening within our skin without us mm. even noticing it, right? It's yeah, just like happening as just as our blood's pumping, just as we yeah. take a breath. And I think, you know, being able to at least have an idea and understanding of this, I think helps the skin therapist be able to have mm. a really open conversation with their client to, you know, not overpromise. like we're going to be able to clear up your breakout permanently or we're going to make this all go away because as you said hormones you know wound uh, healing if we have this kind of chronic low-grade inflammation we start mm. seeing things such as breaking down collagen compromising the barrier there's mm -hmm. a lot of things that you know we as therapists it's beyond our control but we can start mm. thinking about products and treatments and ingredients that can that can definitely um, help them as well. So you had mm. mentioned too with the, the inflammaging and that we were just discussing is that we're starting to see a side effect of that with acne and aging is generating this post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation. So that dark mm -hmm. mark that's left behind after you have the breakout. And I used to work with clients who would say to me, Beth, I swear I didn't pick. I swear I didn't touch it. I do, right? I just put a spot treatment on it. Yeah. But because all of this, you know, hyperactivity and inflammation and mm. the triggering of the immune system and the melanocyte cell is happening deep within the skin surface, it's really difficult to stop that from happening on the skin, even if you take all the steps. So I'd like mm. to just discuss um, post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation or PIH as it's commonly referred to, because yeah. this is really, I think, a key concern among adults with acne because it does create that dark mark that can remain on the skin for several weeks. I've had it last on me for several months yeah. at a time. Yeah, absolutely. And sometimes it can be as distressing, you know, when you are treating your skin, you know, yeah. often as we age, one of the things we all want is a more luminous, radiant, even glow. And then when you look at your skin and it has all of these post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation marks, it can be actually just as distressing as when you've got those inflamed breakouts. So it can be incredibly frustrating. But as we said, one of the side effects of any kind of inflammation is the stimulation of that melanocyte cell, which is also obviously embedded down in the lower layers of the epidermis mm -hmm. um, and will naturally kick in 
initially as a protective response to help the skin you know deal with that potential threat um, but obviously from our point of view cosmetically what we see on the surface of the skin is those darkened looking I mean they can go from anything from a, a slightly darker pink looking through to obviously a black looking color discoloration on the surface of the skin depending on your natural pigment that you're stimulating on a daily basis mm -hmm. but it can be um, for the consumer difficult to understand why they're left with those marks so I think it's really important that we explain that pigmentation is a natural response to inflammation so one of the easiest tips we can give someone really is when they're suffering with inflamed breakouts the sooner we can take down the inflammation the less risk we have yeah. of post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation um, because once that's there we then have a slightly longer journey to get rid of it because obviously the cells don't renew themselves as quickly you know we need to slough them off the surface of the skin and we need to try and regulate you know the pigment that's being produced in the lower layers so um, but that's very different to scarring because obviously scarring is a permanent mark that's been made on the surface of the skin so I think sometimes they can get confused mm -hmm. um, you know when we look at post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation it's very much just a pigmentation response whereas when we look at scarring that is when we have damaged the skin um, like I said that collagen elastin you know hyaluronic acid structure in the dermis has been damaged and compromised and that causes a, either a depression or a raised area um, so like a an overgrowth or a loss of tissue that's going to cause either a, a, a scar that's dipped or a scar that's raised mm -hmm. which you know obviously we can't then remove cosmetically that's obviously more of a specialist subject but um, we as, as professional skin therapists can have a lot of success treating post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation. Right right exactly and I think one of the, the best pieces of advice for someone who does maybe get post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation quite easily from mm. breakouts is that you know sunscreen yeah inflammation watch your sun exposure when you're having mm -hmm. this type of of acne because one of the things i think about and you know i've had this discussion is that i'll i'll be speaking to maybe a, a client or someone who's having concerns with breakout and aging and discoloration yeah. and they have this thought process that well if i go out into the sun it's going to make my yeah. acne better when that's just mm. completely an urban legend right yeah. that's just a myth <laughs> it's yeah. like it, it makes the condition worse but it's it's very common i, I see people talking yeah. about it um you know on social media i you mm. know i hear people saying oh i heard if i when i go out into the sun it seems like my acne clears but we know that's not the case right no, and like you said, it's still such a common myth that people still believe is true because temporarily, yes, when you go out into the sun, you might find, for example, your sebaceous glands sort of, you know, you get that drying up of oil. So you get that slight temporary Im impact to the skin where you feel like your skin doesn't have as much oil production. But inevitably what happens is when you expose yourself to the sun like you said you are going to stimulate your pigment so if you've already got post-inflammatory pigmentation it's going to look darker because the sun will obviously darken that by stimulating the melanocyte cell to produce more melanin and also your skin cells your keratinocyte cells the cells at the sort of surface of the skin the corneocytes as well right at the top mm -hmm. they'll start to 
thicken or harden so as again a protective mechanism so it can basically mean that the skin itself becomes um more damaged on the surface of the skin you know as a result really and of course free radical damage is mm -hmm. is a, a huge part of, of uv so whilst we might get what seems like a temporary um help for the skin all the damage that's going on underneath the skin that we can't see is going to mean that the skin's going to become either more sensitized more pigmented and of course we're going to accelerate the aging process so it's definitely not something we would advise people to be doing to treat their acne is going and seeking out to sunbathe or to expose themselves directly to sunlight because it's it's not going to help long term it's going to make it actually worse long term yeah, and then you're worse. now starting to try to correct the issues that have shown up on the skin due to mm -hmm. the amount of sun exposure so yeah so everyone who's listening today you can tell your that, <laughs> that angela and beth are saying do not <laughs> use the sun as a way yeah. to treat your acne Absolutely. oh my goodness yes perfect <laughs> Well, we did talk about um, already some of the some of the top causes of adult acne. Mm. You mentioned stress. You mentioned hormones. Some of the, let me say that one more time. I'd like to take a moment and go through some of the other contributing causes of adult acne that mm -hmm. we know can make some some changes or can make the condition worse. Yeah, absolutely. Um, like we said, you know, stress and hormones are sort of our top key um, contributing factors but lifestyle um, will definitely play a role and this is very much going to be an individual response to each person so um, there is a lot of we, we know in our industry that what you do internally will always be reflected on the surface of your skin so you know how you live your life will come out on the surface of your skin at some point and show itself and that goes for you know whether we are smoking whether we um, have a busy lifestyle and don't really take a lot of time for ourselves so we don't kind of relax enough um, whether we are exposing ourselves to um, ingredients in our products that perhaps topically are not very good for our skin or we're maybe over processing our skin because that can be a risk I think when people suffer with breakout activity is that feel or need to start throwing everything at their mm -hmm. skin yes. so um, I think a lot of people will go down that route um, of treating it like maybe they did as a teenager and mm -hmm. try to to overstrip it with too much cleansing too much exfoliation and you know it's really hard for the skin as you get into adult years to cope with that that level of activity so definitely over processing can be a problem or trying to cover it with too much makeup that potentially could be comedogenic um, which might be you know high in things like artificial color um, and irritants that are going to equally you know aggravate the skin right um, but also it could even be things like if people are working out a lot, they're sweating, you know, they've got a lot of friction from clothing that can obviously um, exasperate and can make the condition worse. Um, so there's a lot of lifestyle habits and factors, um, mm -hmm. even if they're taking medication or they've been ill recently or run down um, that we have to sort of take into consideration. And that's very much an individual discussion we'd have to have with each person to find yeah. out yeah. how their lifestyle has maybe changed. And the good news with that, though, is lifestyle habits can be changed. For sure. So, so that's a great, a, a positive aspect to it is because if you do identify something within your mm. client's lifestyle or something they're currently doing, I mean, that's yeah. something that they can start to to make those changes um, when it comes to things that they're 
that they're doing that may not be the best, right, for their for their yeah. skin yeah. concerns. Even little things like picking, like you said, you know, picking and squeezing. Right. Like we've all been there, and it's it's so so tempting. Right. But we know the risk, of course, is the further damage that we're going to do, like post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation. So that can be very much a lifestyle habit that people can just pick at their face, and mm-hmm. you know cause more damage so yeah the more we can have those conversations with people the better really definitely what about for um people who say well um i i've no i've kind of battled with acne my whole entire life um Mm -hmm. or my my dad suffered with breakout or you know my mom did yeah that genetic link right Uh, for sure and there is very much a lot of evidence to suggest that acne is a genetic condition um, that obviously can pass from generation to generation. And that tends to, you tend to see if someone's got more of the genetic type of acne that they probably would have had it in teenage years. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's more likely they're going to have a persistent type of acne that they manage throughout their lifetime um, versus somebody that's just developed it 25 plus you know later in life mm-hmm. um that that might not necessarily have the genetic link that's more to do with lifestyle and perhaps internal factors like hormones and stress um but if we have got the genetic hereditary link then we do know that there's the sort of malfunction of that follicle really in terms mm-hmm. of too many skin cells you know too much um sebum and you know, more sticky, thick sebum, that sort of all those contributing factors that are coming into play, really, that we have to deal with if someone's got genetic acne. Mm -hmm. And then we've got, of course, environmental exposure. So whatever, whatever Mm -hmm. you're kind of go walking into, such as pollution, Mm -hmm. and then also Mm -hmm. to what you what you put in your body, you know, what you eat can show up on your skin as well. Yeah, there is a lot more scientific evidence now, like particularly from nutritionists and sort of that whole study of nutrition to indicate that your diet can play a huge role in your skin. We've Mm -hmm. kind of always at the International Dermal Institute believed that and understood that what we do internally will impact our skin. It's a mirror, really, of our health. Mm -hmm. But now there's a lot more um, understanding behind certain things like dairy, which potentially can be a, a huge possible irritant people that suffer with with breakouts um and that they need to sort of look at things like their zinc intake and their vitamin d and their omega-3 you know there's a lot of more good substantiated nutritional advice really that people can follow now um that i think works really well with skincare because if you're looking for your body internally um you will also have much better results with your topical skincare products as well um so typically people are advised if they do battle with their skin to follow more of a low gi diet you know increase their sort of intake of rainbow colored vegetables um, and fruit um, and have more of a lean diet um, in terms of and like I said cut back on the dairy Mm -hmm. um, intake is another tip that usually most nutritionists would give right because I mean good nutrition is just not just for your overall health in your body it actually does have a major impact on your skin and then external factors such as we talked a lot about sun exposure, but yeah. even just like your local environment, the weather mm-hmm. changing, pollution. Mm-hmm. I know there's a lot of um, great information now that talks about particulate matter, like really clinging to the skin and how it can actually um, yeah. make acne worse as well. 
I mean, if you go into a polluted environment, you can instantly feel it, can't you? I know when yeah. I travel up to yeah. London, I instantly feel just even on the train journey and then onto the tube and then walking around, my skin instantly feels dirtier, really. I suppose that's the best description I can give. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what ultimately is happening is that all of that, like you said, minuscule sort of particular matter that we can't necessarily see that is coming and taking up residence on our skin has the ability to penetrate into that follicle because it's so small Um, and if we've already got problems with breakout activity you know it's just going to be another contributing factor to stimulate that inflammation response um, and trigger off you know more activation and aggravation of those breakouts really mm-hmm. um, and, and that is why cleansing is so imperatively important for all skins but very much for people that are suffering with breakout activity um, right. so that you can remove that environmental assault appropriately you know every day you know right. when you're exposing yourself to it. I would like to take a moment and refer back to those hormonal changes that you mentioned earlier, especially for adult women who Mm -hmm. are definitely more likely than men to be affected by acne due to those fluctuating hormones. And you had mentioned some of those hormonal fluctuations um, coming around the time of menstruation, uh, pregnancy, Mm -hmm. perimenopause, uh, Mm -hmm. menopause and perimenopause. So, Mm -hmm. Can, let's talk about some of the information around that, what we're seeing and some of the changes. Yeah, I think what's really interesting, and I think sometimes we don't sort of put the two together, is that, you know, when, when we're going through, particularly later in life, when we're going through that that inevitable change, all women go through it, you know, when we're going through those um, years building up to menopause, is that our... Um, body is changing in function so in particular our female hormones of estrogen are declining now normally throughout adulthood our estrogen um helps to keep our skin youthful it helps to keep it plump it's it's the youth hormone really it's what keeps everything looking fantastic um so one of the problems of course is once we go post-menopausal the aging signs do tend to kick in on the surface of the skin but the other thing that estrogen is doing is it is helping to compete with the testosterone um, you know the androgen sex hormones that we do produce as women you know it's not just for men Um, and normally estrogen will keep those levels under control but as we go through um, those times in our life where the estrogen levels are declining the testosterone that we are producing those sex hormones will become more um, readily available and that's when we start to see those receptors on the sebaceous glands becoming more stimulated and activated and that's when we're going to see more sebum being increased um, you know maybe a change in that sort of amount of sebum that's being produced but also the sort of consistency of it um, because it's that hormone testosterone which we tend to associate with men because it's their main sex hormone and drives mainly their sort of bodily changes. But that we do also produce levels of lower levels, obviously in females, but it's normally kept in check by estrogen. So once we get a change in those estrogen levels, it becomes slightly unchecked and it can become more aggressive and trigger off responses in our sebaceous glands. So unfortunately that can be one of the side effects that we see which can also impact things like hair growth you know and all the things that we might see happening um, as we go through those changes coming up to menopause Um, but you know hormones are tricky because everybody has different responses to them so what one what one person has another person may not have because hormones 
are very individual and the way we respond to them, you know, some receptors may become hyperactive, whereas somebody else's receptors may not be as um, hyperactive when they come into contact with those hormones. And also each of us will have very different levels of hormones that are going through the body and, and our body will respond differently to each mm -hmm. and every one of them. So we can't necessarily map out that everybody will have the same journey as they go through these changes in life. You know, for example, pregnancy is a good example. Some people's skin I know of, and I certainly saw it myself, who have suffered with breakouts can then go through an incredibly great time during pregnancy where their skin looks amazing. Right. Um, other people can go the opposite way and, and their skin can become really bad, you know, in terms of the breakout activity. So it goes to show you again that although we may be having a similar hormonal response, how our body responds to those hormones is very different and how right. receptive we are to those hormones. Right. Because it's really treating adult acne. It, it isn't mm -hmm. a one size fits all. It's yeah. not the same treatment for every single person. You, know, you mm -hmm. really have to kind of be that skin detective, right? And then just really dive into that consultation and ask those questions. And of yeah. course, I mean, if your client is concerned about hormonal changes or she is in that age range for perimenopause changes that might be expecting, of course, you know, we would want to suggest that they would speak to their to their doctor um, about yeah. that. It's not for us to diagnose hormonal changes, but yeah. we can start to kind of explore that by seeing the age range, maybe where our client is fitting into as well. What do we mm. think about some of the top ingredients that are really crossing over between treating acne and aging because I think a big issue with clients who are suffering from both are mm -hmm. saying I don't want to have products that only treat breakout and then products that only treat my aging skin but then I've got yeah. you know now I have a 12-step process you know mm -hmm. I need to have something that maybe does a little bit of both. Yeah, absolutely. I think that can be one of the most frustrating things because even I, I notice it with my skincare routine and I'd say I'm obviously slightly more of an advanced client, but even I find it frustrating when you, if you do try to layer too many products on your skin when it's breaking out or mm -hmm. you try to use products that are highly active for an aging skin, you can then find your breakouts get worse. So it's trying to find like you said, ingredients that actually can impact both concerns without aggravating one while you're treating the other. Yeah. Um, one of the ones that I would say is probably the top ingredient in terms of treating both would be retinol because um, retinol is obviously part of the vitamin A family um, and this has been very much studied in terms of there's a lot of evidence to support how it can impact both aging and um, breakout activities mm -hmm. or acne in this case. Um, so one of the things we do have to be careful though is how we use it because um, we do have receptors um, which can take up the active part of retinol, that retinoic acid, um, when it's converted in the skin. But as we age, they do decline. So our skin can become sensitized if we use too much retinol quickly on the surface of the skin. So it's really important to get good advice um, on how to use retinol and how often to use it in your skincare routine. Mm -hmm. um, because again, your tolerance threshold might be slightly lower with the aging process. But the reason it's so good is because it actually helps to normalize your cell turnover so it helps to like we said one of the problems with aging is your cells 
start to decline, your cell renewal rates decline, you know, and also like we said with breakout formation, you're also getting retaining those skin cells they're not shedding properly so it can help across both problems you know it can help with rejuvenation and regeneration of the skin but it can also help with um, unclogging of those pores really that you're getting blockages of um, and also because there are receptors for retinoic acid on your um, sebaceous glands it can help to normalize the production of sebum mm -hmm. um, and so it can help to regulate that sebum production so that you're not overproducing too much um, so on the other side when it comes to aging the other brilliant benefit of retinol is that it can um, help to stimulate the production of collagen and your sort of structures that you need in the dermis to keep your skin plump um, so it can have that plumping effect to your skin when used long term so it really is one of the ingredients that i think crosses both you know aging and acne but the biggest advice i would give is just make sure your skin can tolerate it so prepare preparing your skin is really important making sure your skin's hydrated um, and using it maybe with a buffer cream or using something um, you know every other day to start with and building your skin's tolerance up um, is really important and not using it heavily when the sun is obviously at its strongest or um, making sure you've always got a sunscreen alongside when you're using retinol is kind of the big tips I would give. Right. Um, so I think that one is a must if you if your skin can tolerate it, it's good for your uh, routine. Um, usually that's a nighttime ingredient that we would recommend as well because of the way it works. The other ingredient I would say is niacinamide because niacinamide is again heavily talked about at the moment because it's so great for so many reasons um, but why it crosses the bridge between aging and acne is because for um, aging it really helps with evening the skin tone so it can really help with brightening the skin it can help with excessive pigmentation concerns because it actually helps with um, preventing that pigment being passed into the epidermis into the keratinocyte cells so it helps to regulate um, and brighten your skin from that perspective mm -hmm. so ingredients that are going to help to brighten the skin are going to be a must and like we said with post-inflammatory pigmentation that's another concern but also niacinamide um, this is kind of I suppose newer research has the ability to help um, with our microbiome of the skin which is another very hot topic um, and it helps to balance the microbiome and boost our skin's ability to keep the microbiome healthy. So um, if our skin's microbiome is healthy, then our skin will inevitably be able to cope better and be healthier. So that ingredient is definitely, I think those two, if we can utilize them within our skincare routine, um, they are sort of the top products, really ingredients to look for. Great. And a and of course, just to add that if you're not using a retinol, you do need to use something that exfoliates. That's going to be the other tip I would give because that will help both aging and acne. Um, but it's just finding the right ingredients. So more the hydroxy acids are going to be better, like salicylic acid or lactic acid. Um, you know, if you're not using the retinol family, mm -hmm. which will naturally exfoliate because you do need to deal with the exfoliation because it's going to help brighten the skin, help boost renewal, but it's also going to help to unplug those blocked um, follicles that are causing the breakout.
So I think those are your sort of top ingredients. And of course, a sunscreen, which I mentioned anyway, because of retinol. But if you weren't using retinol, it's still a must because yeah. it's one of the, the best ingredients to help age management and obviously to help prevent premature aging. But also, as we've said, if you're suffering with the marks left behind after to breakouts, they're only going to get worse if you expose your skin to the sun. So, but it's finding a good sunscreen that's not heavy and greasy um, and perhaps one that also prevents pollution you know on the skin is going to be a good one for somebody that's got adult breakout mm -hmm. concerns. So you really mm -hmm. can work with the skin therapist to really build that regimen so you may have a few products that have like the retinol the niacinamide but then mm -hmm. you've got an ultra you know um, hydrating moisturizer and yeah. you've got your sunscreen and you maybe have like your mm -hmm. maybe um just a gentle foaming cleanser. So you mm. don't have to go straight to the acne only line because yeah. that may not be right for you. I think it's really working with a professional and finding which of these products or which of these ingredients are definitely going to work for you. So speaking mm. of professionals, so speaking of a professional skin therapist, what modalities should they be kind of looking for or investing in for treatments for adult acne. I know a lot of our skin therapists out there are seeing more and more clients who are suffering from adult breakout. So there's, you know, a few options out there. Um, but maybe what are some of our your top choices? As you said, Beth, I think, yeah, absolutely. You know, going to a professional skin therapist is going to be such a great opportunity for somebody that is battling with those adult breakout concerns. But we need to, as a, a professional skin therapist, be really clear in um, our education and our approach to those skins. And as we said, one size doesn't fit all, but there are some things we can look at integrating into treatments if appropriate for that client. Um, now, really, when we come to treating the skin, we need to be looking at electrical modalities as well as hands-on approach and ingredient technology. I think if we can combine all three, we will achieve the best results. Um, just to name a few, the exfoliation stage, the resurfacing stage that we do in a professional treatment will be really imperative. Um, of course, depending on their sensitivity levels, um, but if the client can tolerate chemical peels, then they are going to be very effective for um, treating both actually aging and the breakouts as well, adult acne, because there are different types of peels that you can obviously get that can achieve different results. So for example, you know, you might be looking at peels that contain like salicylic acid and mandelaic acid or malic acid, you know, together that treat um, really breakout activity, but are not too aggressive on the surface of the skin. Um, whereas you might be looking at lactic acid based peels for treating more um, pigmentation concerns um, and then glycolic for aging. So there's a lot of different options, which is why you need to really know your um, acids and your skin right. to really get the best results mm -hmm. um, but I've seen incredible results you know for post-inflammatory pigmentation definitely you can see real changes in the skin um, if you're treating with peels mm -hmm. but also they're helping to control the breakouts as well because if you're using ingredients like we said salicylic acid to name one example that's a perfect one that gets in the follicle helps to control the oil content as well as you know decongest the follicle itself mm -hmm. um, but we do need to be careful of the skin's sensitivity um, barrier function because of course all of those things can be impacted with age right. um, and be 
cautious of obviously how the skin is looked after as well after peeling because again obviously with the aging process like we said the skin takes slower to heal it's more susceptible to dehydration barrier issues so we need to make sure that if we are going down the route of looking at peels for our client that we give them good skincare advice home care advice and that we look at what we're doing around that treatment that can support the skin mm-hmm. um, but I think that yeah but certainly from a resurfacing point of view um, that's going to be something we have to really choose the right ingredients because we can see incredible results with un, you know obviously if it's very cystic nodular acne that's probably outside of our remit really we need to go down a specialist route for treating that type of acne because right. even just touching it is going to be too um, irritating for the skin right. so um, they need to be really under the supervision of an expert but from anything below that you know really that's where we can be treating and as I said peels are definitely um, an option that if used in the right hands with the right expertise you can get incredible results Um, I would also say that where we can change up our routines within a professional treatment so using electrical modalities to enhance the cleansing or like we said boosting with other additional exfoliating ingredients is going to be great Um, but one thing i would like to say i think is incredibly effective and has grown in popularity over the years is our um, light emitting diodes so in particular Mm -hmm. Um, the blue light is the one that's most popular for treating breakouts or acne um, because basically the blue light can help to I don't want to say the word kill but basically it can help to sort of manage and and destroy the overactive um, bacteria that we've got that's running you know riot really in the skin causing Mm -hmm. all this inflammation and irritation so it helps to sort of create a reaction that damages the bacteria internally um, when we're using it sort of on the surface of the skin so that can be a really good management tool for um, people that are suffering with active breakouts Mm -hmm. but also um, there's obviously the red light both of these have got a lot of scientific data again behind them Um, so that's why they're sort of the most popular in terms of usage but our red light is obviously the one that has more of the healing effect in terms of um, it helps to regenerate the skin it helps to reawaken the cells so the cells are more youthful in appearance so it tends to be used a lot for the treatment of aging so if we were treating someone who's got mo both concerns you can sometimes use a combination of lights um, therapy to get both of those responses in the surface of the skin and they can be incredibly impactful there's actually a lot of different light therapies out there now but um, we're realizing how beneficial these can be for multiple skin concerns so i think Mm -hmm. if you have the ability to integrate those into your routine um, that's incredibly impactful Um, and as you said beth you know taking the individual approach the prescriptive bespoke approach is going to be so important because um, as individuals you know you are going to have so many different contributing factors both internally externally that we need to sort of be looking at each person's skin as an independent person and how we can treat it with the correct modalities and the correct skincare i mean just to add as well that there are obviously other things like um, microdermabrasion 
or you know all of these things microneedling even you know that can be used post breakout so when your skin is not inflamed but when you're dealing with all the aftermath of like the pigmentation that we can be integrating as well in if we are trained in those specialities so mm -hmm. there's a lot of options out there now um, for the professional skin therapist that when you understand the skin you can really get the most out of the skin and get the best benefit by using these modalities in conjunction with great skincare. Mm -hmm. and, and there are so many great options out there. Oh, and, I, and I think, Ange, the way you said it too, is that it's also not just what's happening when you're trying to treat, like maybe calm down the inflammation first, and then you're treating the breakout. It's not just during the breakout time or when the skin is not at its best mm. per se, but it's also yeah. that post-treatment. Um, not only at home care, but what do you plan for the client when they come back when the acne maybe has healed or the breakout has mm -hmm. subsided or we're starting to see lightening and brightening um, in the the skin and the discoloration is starting to slightly fade. It's just, it's not a one and done. And I always, I always like to tell that to clients too. It's like, we can't just do one treatment for mm -hmm. your breakouts. It's a process. It's really a plan. Mm -hmm. It's a journey of how are we going to go from A to point B and mm -hmm. get you what is really your healthiest skin, right? Not the skin that you're trying to achieve because somebody else has it because everybody is different and every skin changes not only on a yearly basis but really on a seasonal basis. So really setting them up for success, setting the expectations, not overpromising on that um, mm -hmm. as well. Well, Angela, this has been a, such a great conversation as always. I know you and I could probably do about an eight, eight hour show on every skin condition uh, out there. Yeah. But I want to thank you for just like really being open and honest about not only your own skincare routine, but what you've experienced as, as you've gone through different stages in your life with aging and with breakout. Um, we really appreciate you. Thank you so much for, for joining us on the podcast today pleasure absolutely as always it's wonderful to talk with you and just to like you say share the passion for skincare and all things skin really <laughs> perfect any other maybe final advice or final tips that you'd have for our listeners today I think that generally as we've already spoken to about today it because it can be emotionally quite challenging going yeah. through changes in your life when it's mm -hmm. particularly when it's hormonally led um, and then if you're seeing changes in your skin it's really important to find someone to take you on that journey with you um, and that you feel supported by so that's really our role in our industry is that we should be there to support and guide someone that is going through those challenges challenging times and take away maybe one of the stresses in terms of their skin uh, and just reassure them that if we follow the right advice that we will see results and that like you said Beth change is, is is important you can't stay with the same skincare throughout your lifetime and you do need to react and change your skincare according to how your skin is behaving um, and the sooner you do that the sooner you'll see the results really excellent Great. Thanks, Angela, so much for being with us today. And we will talk to you soon. And we can't wait to have you back. I look forward to it. Thank you, Beth. Thank you for listening to Living Skin. And don't forget to rate and subscribe to this podcast. If you have any topics you'd like for us to feature, 
send an email to livingskinpod at dermalogica.com. And until next time, cheers to living in your healthiest skin.